0: From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are my co-hosts, Maddie Jelsman. hello, and Dan Leggo. Hey, we're going to talk about board games and video games this week. And well, that's kind of a sad thing. Whenever uh, somebody asks me what I do, and I say that it involves games, they always assume that it's video games. And I'm not sure exactly when it was that people decided that the word games means video games and not tabletop games. And you have to actually specify that it's tabletop. But uh, the simple fact is that, the, that video games is a much, much bigger business, at least 10 times bigger than the board games business. A lot more people play video games. And for the most part, uh, even that uh, relatively small industry, the, games, uh, the, the, the tabletop games industry is mostly Yahtzee, Monopoly, Risk, Game of Life, Scrabble, Jenga, Travel Pursuit, stuff that everybody's already heard of and that was invented more than 20 years ago. But the latest generation of game consoles is kind of faltering, and sales of board games other than Monopoly and so on have been rising year after year. As electronic games are struggling, tabletop games are in a renaissance, even a golden age, and more and more video gamers are getting curious about playing games with cards and dice and stuff. And uh, we're going to be talking about the transition between the two, what it involves, where the connections are, what the similarities are, what the differences are, and, yeah, stuff like that. So guys, uh, what's your background with video games? How long have you been playing those?
1: Well, I've been playing uh, video games since I was a small kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister and I used to play together, Mario, uh, starting a Super Mario. Cool. And uh, she would be the one who would play, and I would be the one giving her the strategy of how to beat the level. And as we grew older, it became more complicated. We got into Zelda. I'd be the one teaching her how to pass this particular temple or dungeon, and she'd be the one doing it because I never excelled at the, the quick movements required. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, um, at my age, I... I play a lot of World of Warcraft and Starcraft, and still play Zelda.
0: So mostly the uh, the sort of the strategic thinking aspect
1: with overarching grand themes
0: <laughs> and big stories and narratives. And uh, well, that that seems like a natural lead into board games. Then I mean, a lot of the same appeal elements of board games are present in those as well. Uh, did uh, when, when did you start getting into tabletop stuff?
1: Started getting into tabletop um, watching tabletop to be honest
2: really the Will I, wheaton show
1: yeah i was a big fan of geek and sundry and i kind of watched those and i was like oh this is kind of cool and then i i went to fan expo and got bought gloom and then i started coming to Snakes and lattes and i learned to survive and just kind of delved into it
0: the gloom episode was great amber benson was terrifying
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> how about you dad uh well, i was an 80s kid so i i grew up with all that Evolution of the consoles, you know, we went from Atari all the way to Nintendo and, and probably coin-op games, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent so much on the Aliens arcade game. But <laughs> uh, unfathomable. But um, as a kid, I, uh, I always was interested in a lot of the uh, board games. You'd see them advertised on pretty much every Saturday morning cartoon show. Of course. Um, but I was sort of an only kid, so I'd get them for Christmas time, and I would totally have Dizzy Dizzy Dinosaur or Back Off <laughs> Buzzard or... You know, those sorts of things, um, Hero Quest, Dragon Strike, but I had nobody really to play with. So I collected a big collection of games, but uh, they just really collected dust. That
0: sounds like my life today. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think yeah. that's true for most adults. <laughs> that's, that's obviously one of the biggest differences, obviously. You know, the video game, you can play it on your own. It's not a problem. Board games, you need opponents for. Um, do, do you think one of those led into the other? And was would, would, if you hadn't if you hadn't really been so interested in video games would you have been less interested in board games later on did was there any connection?
2: Yeah, uh, I think to to some extent um, a lot of the the video games and stuff like that uh, sort of built towards me getting more into board games later in life in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, you know, there started to be some cool games coming out. Like I remember playing Settlers of Catan when it was still pretty new. Mm. Um, on the scene at a a goth club a long time ago. Um, And that sort of really revitalized what was out there. And I started to see themes and stuff that appealed to me because they related to themes from video games that I liked. So I could be drawn into those games. Or, cool, it's a fantasy world, let's see what this one's about, you know? That sort of thing.
0: Did you get led to Geek & Sundry by way of video games?
1: I think so. I've always been into sort of, I guess, quote-unquote, nerd culture. I like comics. I like, you know, lots of Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones. Um, so it was just kind of a natural extension, especially considering that I was very curious about the new types of games that were coming out because I used to play a lot of Game of Life and and Parcheesi, but I was like, oh, these games look fun. And I like watching Will Wheaton. You're funny. So, <laughs> yeah, it was good.
0: I, uh, I never really drew a firm distinction between the two, strangely enough. it's uh, the, It all seemed like it was part of one big hobby. It was just gaming. Um, I, my interest in playing something like, uh, you know, Dragon's Lair in the arcade wasn't that much different from my interest in playing BattleTech on the table. It was. It all scratched the same itch for me of being able to do awesome stuff and be a crazy awesome hero in these different ways. And I don't know if that, if, if that's something that's if if, if did you do that. a lot of role
2: playing or. That, Not that nearly as much as I
0: wanted to. I owned, I was in the same sort of position. I had the D&D books, too. Right. But they tended to gather dust along with everything else because I didn't get to play them that often with other people. But something like Hero Quest, you could sort of play it solitaire. You can have these adventures. And uh, it wasn't all that much different in some ways from playing Zelda or from Dungeon Master, these other sorts of games. I One of on the computers.
1: the big things I really started to notice when I switched more over to board games in like the last year is the experience of gaming with friends around a table mm. is... So much more satisfying than all the afternoons I spent on World of Warcraft. They all kind of blend together. They're all just me, you know, farming for herbs and selling them in the auction house. <laughs> and camping and, the
0: spawn point. And, yep.
1: Um, whereas, like, in afternoon gaming, I still remember certain, like, games like uh, Tales of Arabian Nights. I still always talk about that to people because it was just such an interesting, rewarding experience as a game.
0: Let's go into a little bit more detail, then, about the, the differences in the, between the experience of playing electronic games versus playing tabletop games. The social aspect obviously is huge. You know, the fact that you're sitting around a table with people whose expressions you can see, I mean, if they're going to grief you or something, you actually can physically reach across the table and punch them in the face. Uh, that, that That's a big part of the difference, too. But apart from the obvious stuff, what are some other major differences between the experience of playing uh, a physical game, a tabletop game, versus playing an electronic game?
2: It's the social aspect. Uh, it's definitely that being able to talk to people one-on-one um, And react to what they are, you know. I think a little bit of the table talk is always a little bit healthy. It's not the same as in a chat window. No, in a chat window or on saying all sorts of horrible things on uh, Xbox (laughs) Live, that sort of deal.
0: Instead, you can say horrible things to people's
2: faces. Exactly, which is uh, (laughs) far more rewarding.
0: Lol noob. Who actually says lol noob?
1: A lot of people in my guild do. (laughs) It's really sad.
0: (laughs) But do you think they would do that if it was actually at a table?
1: No, I think they'd actually be quite shy in real life.
0: I think, I think I probably actually would say that at the tabletop, but I would say it ironically, so it's okay. yeah,
2: yeah, I would. Uh, so. um,
0: the, what about the tactile component? Does, do you think that makes a big difference?
2: It, do, yeah. it does. It depends on the game to some extent, but um, sometimes being able to actually physically hold cards or move a piece around the game board, you know, that's all nicely sculpted. Um, I think that can be... a Big part of the sensory experience of the more. You games.
0: mentioned Hero Quest earlier. Yeah, and those those figures, that those that furniture, the plastic furniture, oh, yeah, and the torture great. racks and doors and stuff that you can move around. Those giant demon things that go rar, and play with your little mans. and that that, that was a huge part of the appeal for those sorts of games for me. Um, I think even for the uh, you know for the, the action games you were mentioning as well. You know anything from like Pop Up Pirate to uh, to Dream Phone, the physical components there were we're a big part of the appeal and you don't the fact that you can't actually reach out and touch stuff in electronic game is sort of there um if somebody really likes and plays a lot of video games how likely is it do you think that they would probably like board games too
2: i think there it depends on finding the right game for that person um and who you're playing with is obviously a big part of that as well but uh do you think there's a general tendency though a, i mean that's a big statement though like somebody who likes video games, there's so many different things out there. Mm. They might um, like
1: them because they can play them by themselves. So the whole social mm. aspect might not even... Because they're horribly shy and they can hide behind their computer or... like Somebody console. who's obsessed
2: with a first-person shooter is going to be somebody different than somebody who's obsessed yeah. with, say some, World of Warcraft.
0: Yeah. Or, if somebody plays Civilization, odds are good there are a lot of strategy board games yeah. to get into because it's basically just yeah. a big strategy board game. Um, but on the other hand... And somebody who uh, prefers the single-player role-playing games like a Mass Effect or a Zelda, uh, they might particularly enjoy the solitude, the fact that they have control over their situation. Um, but on the other hand, something like Tales of the Arabian Nights, that you mentioned, where you get to sort of have your story and the other players probably aren't going to interfere with it all that much, and it's you get to feel some ownership over that. Um, Alright, so if somebody really hates video games, is that a strong indication that they probably won't get much into board games either?
2: I don't think so um, at all. I've met a lot of people who are passionate about uh, video games, but rather like board games, and sometimes that is the social aspect that they t- tend to enjoy more. They don't like to sit behind a computer. Um,
1: um, yeah, pretty much the same on this front. Yeah.
0: So hm, it's, it's hard to find people, I guess, who hate video games to be willing to even sit down at a table to try a board game in some ways. Um, is there I don't know, I, I, there are some people I've found who, um, like, if, if, if they're only into, say, like, iOS games, they might be pretty reluctant to try a lot of tabletop games. Uh, either it's because, they, you know, they do this as a way of just sort of passing time, uh, they're not really all that engaged with it, and the the fact that you need to really engage with a board game, the fact that you need to learn rules and you know, and uh, and deal with all this stuff, could really be kind of off-putting.
2: IOS games are sort of an interesting thing uh, simply because they have a lot of the trappings of board games or card games, um, but they're a new front of the technology where you have a lot of people playing with these cards and doing these little things, getting points and rewards, building little farms, you know, mm. sort of the sort of stuff you'd see in most traditional games. But they play a lot faster, I think, as possibly one of the things as well. There's no analysis paralysis. You push a button, you do the thing, it gets resolved by the computer. You can do you it don't in have the 20 the math.
1: minutes it takes for you to get from your bus to work.
2: Exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's, so, it's
0: very bite-sized. Do you have a favorite video game?
1: I would say it's probably Zelda, specifically the Ocarina of Time.
0: <laughs> Classic. So, all right. If you meet somebody and they haven't really played any board games to speak of, but Ocarina of Time is their favorite video game ever, what board games would you recommend to them?
1: Oh, that's tricky. Well, you. Well, not to sound like a broken record, but Tales of the Arabian Nights is yeah. nice because it allows you to go on this solo grand adventure a la Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces kind of structure. And uh, no matter if you win or lose, you end up having a really good time with the story.
0: We've uh, we've mentioned this enough times. I really better give a quick rundown of what uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights is about. Uh, the players are uh, the, the, the beggars, the merchants, the uh, wanderers, the adventurers of Arabian folklore uh, traveling around the lands and uh, yeah, and it's like a choose-your-own-adventure game. You'll arrive at a place, and you'll meet a jinn, or you'll meet a beggar, and you have to decide whether you want to, you know, pray for them, or drink with them, or attack them, or rob them. And you look there's this massive book, and you look up the result, and it tells you what happens. And these these tales are crazy. They're 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 so wonderfully written. And immersive, and, uh, and and you sort of weave these things together by the end into this amazing story that's yours. It's it's, it's, it's a really magical game, quite unique and special, and I've uh, I've been quite uh, lucky to have the chance to play that one.
1: That being said, though, um, at Lattes and Lagers, sometimes it's not conducive for four- or mm-hmm. five-hour games. So for sure. if they're as hardcore into Zelda as I am, I'm just going to try and pitch them a bunch of different games that I love. You know, whether it be Word, Abstract, or Strategy and see whether we connect on that level. If
0: they're, uh, let's say obviously Zelda's not a platformer in most ways, but uh, would you try Boss Monster on them?
1: Oh yes, Boss Monster would be good. That's a new arrival. It's pretty close to a video game and how it's structured. That's how I pitch it, to be honest.
0: It's it's cute, you're creating a little side-scrolling dungeon and you're the boss at the end and you're trying to attract heroes in so you can kill them and take their souls and you know, try not to get killed by them. It's, it's super cute, it's got that great 8-bit style artwork. All right, so Dan, what's your favorite video game?
2: Well, World of Warcraft has sort of broken my bank account. Already, so I guess I can't have to say World of Warcraft.
0: Um, All right. So somebody else is a big WoW fan, and they've heard that, <laughs> well, apparently people are playing games with cards and dice now. So what uh, what do you recommend for them?
2: Um, well, right now they have Hearthstone, which is a, a little card game. and They released their own CCG at one point. Um, but I think it's more the adventuring aspect of stuff. So I would probably go towards a, um, let's say... Uh, maybe Last Night on Earth or something like that, where you have a character and you're going through things and accomplishing tasks. Right. Fighting monsters, fighting monsters, points, leveling points. up. Um, anything that has that sort of dynamic to it uh, is probably a good go-to. Maybe something like claustrophobia um, would be a good one. Mm. Um, but yeah, some, something that's got yeah. sort of that engagement. Most of these
0: came up in our episode about dungeon crawlers, and, uh, and, and in some ways, WoW is kind of the, the electronic dungeon crawler of the, uh, to, to beat them all on the electronic front. Pretty much. So you, uh, you bring that over to this, and I, I guess you can just go back and listen to that episode of the Snakes Cast, and you're all good. Um, I had a pretty bad experience with a game called Dark Souls, but I played enough of it <laughs> to get a sense of what people like about it and don't like about it, and I'm here to tell you, if you're a Dark Souls plan, fan, play Ghost Stories. It is a co-op game where the players are Chinese monks trying to defend a village from the most relentless onslaught of horrifying, hateful ghosts Ever, all the time. It is relentless. It never lets up. And the thing is, though, it's a cooperative game. You know, you're in it together with the others. So just like you sort of summon people to help you out with these terrible boss battles in Dark Souls, uh, in Ghost Stories, you're constantly leaning on each other to uh, for for support and guidance to be able to handle this 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 dreadful thing.
2: Have you considered just losing over and over again in the Duke? that actually
0: does have some sort of uh, connections with Dark Souls and much like with Dark Souls it has done nothing to diminish your enjoyment of the game we need to just essentially level up a whole bunch Yeah. You know, get some more humanity get people in and then we can enjoy the Duke more (laughs) anyway uh, for those of you out there who are into video games but have been a little bit reticent about dipping your toe into the brackish waters of the new frontier of tabletop game playing I hope this episode has been helpful to you See you next time at Snakes and Lattes. I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Maddie Gelsman and Dan Lego.
2: Cheers.
0: Game on. Thanks for listening. Snakes and Lattes offers a unique service for your next party. Snakes on the Go board game catering. Your own personal game guru and an assortment of our hottest games right in your living room or boardroom. Birthdays, anniversaries, corporate team building. Everything is more fun with board games. Visit snakesandlattes.com SOTG for more details or to book
1: your event today. Until next time, I'm P.T. Douglas, game on.